0: One time, Stigson, a lumbering, manic Swede, leapt while climbing down from the mast. Fifteen feet, blurred, blond beard and soiled bare feet flagging in the air towards the deck, where he landed in a funny way. As it happened, a stray nail had been left behind where he touched down, and it entered him through his heel, paralyzing his foot permanently, so that he walks always with a kind of slump now. The sound of his hysterics reached me two decks below. When I came up, I found him scrambling around, inflamed, raving, smearing bloody curves across the deck with his lame heel. I tried to dress his injury, but he refused, reduced to a language of gurgled screams. In the days that followed, he stalked everyone on the ship, demanding to know who had left the nail behind, lacing his hands behind his knee to raise his leg and accuse them with the hideous purple wound. But who'd remember forgetting a nail? Who remembers the nails, crumbs, hair, flaked skin one constantly leaves behind? When no one confessed, Stigson decided it didn't matter who it was. He would strike indiscriminately, with the same unforeseen randomness which he'd been struck. Several days later, as the deck-boy was perched on the foremast, sewing a tear in the sail, Stigson arrived with an axe, and simply began to chip away, raging in some meaningless private dialect. His intention was clear enough. He meant to drop the boy in the water, leaving him to drown, or else axe him directly if he climbed down, to sever a limb, a finger, toes, his head. It took four men to hold Stigson back, and all the time he was lunatic, frothing, spittle flying from his mouth, catching in his beard. But I don't want to give the wrong impression of our ship. Really, this kind of thing did not happen often. A week or so after Stigson attacked the deck-boy— Another boy, the carpenter's assistant, admitted to having left the nail behind. Who knows why he admitted it? He'd effectively gotten away. No one could have known or found out. Perhaps he believed Stigson had spent his anger. The assistant's second mistake, besides confessing to Stigson at all, was telling him in private. We found him in the morning— tied, high up on the mast, shivering. His body had been scoured raw by the ropes, the rest pecked at by birds. He smelled deathly already, was hypothermic and dehydrated. You'll be back to strewing nails in no time, I told him, though in truth there wasn't a hope. He lay, platter-like, on the sick bay table and moaned. I asked, just in case, if he had family I could write to. Without shame, Stigson came to see what all the moaning was about, then wordlessly returned up to the deck above. At the time we were passing through an arctic place. Seawater, flung up by the ship, came back down as ice chattering across the deck. Ice formed on the sails, around ropes, the inner workings of pulleys, on beards, knuckles, sleeves. Icicles made long tooth-shadows, in sunlight and in lamplight, at all times, in all lights, against the deck and the sails. Stigson moved around the ship, collecting, in a sinister way, icicles into a bucket. When he limped down again, he pushed me aside, and— carefully, rolling up the boy's shirt, began laying ice down over the weeping sores and burns that deformed his body. The boy sighed each time an icicle touched him. Why hadn't I thought of using icicles before?